Hello, everybody, and welcome to the She Rises Studios podcast. I am your host today, Angela Bell, and I am here today with Talia Kovacs. Talia is the founder of Calm Connected, a children and family resilience organization. Her work on building resilience in elementary age kids and the connection between social emotional learning and literacy has been featured in Forbes, Newsweek, Today, Scholastic, and many other news outlets. Talia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. So Talia, can you give our audience just a little bit of background on how you came to create Calm Connected? Yes. Um, I started my career off actually as a classroom teacher and um, I soon became a literacy consultant and then the CEO of a awesome company called Lit Life. And I spent years of my career running around the country teaching teachers to teach reading. I worked with big schools, small schools, all schools in between. And what I saw continuously is that the kids who are comfortable making mistakes, who get back up after things go wrong, who want to try hard, are the kids who learn the fastest. And um, over the course of a few years, um, my mom and my mother-in-law died, sadly. And and I had a few miscarriages. And um, I started to realize that even though I knew a lot about kids' resilience, I didn't know it in my body. And I was just laid down on the floor, totally upset, unresponsive, like not really working, just sad. And um, and I had to really build myself back up. And so I started reading everything that there is to read on resilience. I read long studies, short studies, books, biographies, memoirs, all about um, what does it take to get knocked down and come back up again. And I took that research and I put it into my work with kids and I formed Calm Connected where I work with families um, whose kids hate making mistakes, whose kids need to get back up after a setback, um, families of kids who have big meltdowns, are jealous of their siblings, like don't, you know, don't get upset in school. And we work to bring resilience to kids starting at home. That's amazing. That's like so amazing. I've got two eight-year-olds at home, uh, boy and a girl, and couldn't be more different, but I definitely know we could all use help with resilience. So how do we, how do we get our kids to try when things are hard? Big question. Um, for a lot of kids, they have an inner voice that tells them, oh, if this is hard, that must mean that I can't do it. And if I can't do it, I don't want my parent or I don't want my teacher. Or I don't want my friends to see that I'm bad at something. So I'm just not going to try. So that not trying is really a protective mechanism to make sure that they are not seen as bad or dumb or, you know, not smart or not capable. Um, and so the way that we get our kids to try is really over time working with them to build up their self-perception, to get comfortable making mistakes and to develop independence in other areas. Study after study after study shows that the more independence kids have in an area that they're not bad at, if they're like tense with soccer and think that they're bad at soccer, then what we do is we focus on 
you know, going to the store to buy a loaf of bread, nothing to do with soccer. But if we focus on their independence in their lives, then whatever they're anxious about or whatever they're refusing to try about goes away. Why? Because when we're do when we're doing something independently, we start to develop this inner voice that says, hey, I just did that. Hey, that was hard, but I did it anyway. And that is what it takes to tr- be willing to try something that you don't think you're going to be good at. Awesome. And as um, like as a parent, how important is it for us to like model resilience or to tell them about our mistakes or to, you know, even do be bad at things? Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot right now in kind of parenting culture that talks about like, use this script with your kids or like, tell your kids that you made this mistake and here's how it felt for you. Um, And I think that that can be effective depending on your kid. I know that a lot of people listening will have a kid who's like, why are you telling me this? Like that, you know, like they don't maybe want to hear it from you. Um, And so it does start with us and it does start with us getting comfortable with our mistakes. But that is like really deep inner work. It is how can I get rid of my own perfectionism, not just when my kid's looking at me, but how can I really get rid of it? Our kids know us. I mean, you have eight-year-olds, you know this. Um, You cannot fake it with your kids. And so um, my best advice is I tell a lot of the adults that I work with to actually tell your friends on the phone or tell your spouse, if you have a spouse at home, or tell you know your parent, their grandparent, tell another adult about a mistake that you made. Get comfortable talking to adults about mistakes that you've made, and your kids will pick it up. Um, listen more when they think they're not supposed to hear something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't hear me five seconds ago, but now that I'm not talking to you, you hear me? Exactly. And so we use that to our advantage. Um, And I teach a course on this. And in my class, you know, we really, we practice talking about these things with other adults, A, because our kids will pick it up much more than if we're looking at them and telling them. And B, because it can be more uncomfortable for us to tell another adult that we made a mistake than to tell an eight-year-old or a six-year-old or a four-year-old. So um, we need to practice that too. And so how do we work on that if we're perfectionists I know that we've got a lot of perfect I am a recovering perfectionist (laughs) so I may have swayed a little too far to the whatever complete imperfectionist phase but I do remember what it was like and I know I have a lot of friends and family that are that would self-identify as perfectionists so how can we do that as perfectionists yeah I I have a lot of parents who come to me who are like I know that my kids perfectionism is all my fault I have this already too and I want to say it is great if your kid's perfectionism is your fault. That's perfect because that means that you can be the one to shift it and try to fix it. Um, Perfectionism does not equal a lack of resilience. There are plenty of very resilient people who also, you know, will spend 12 hours on a slide deck that they could have spent 30 minutes on. Plenty of people who can get back up and try again, even as they, you know, want to make everything right for work or at home. Um, And so what I would tell those parents is lean into you learning about your own perfectionism 
even as you work with your kids on all of the other factors like independence, like developing a positive self-perception, like helping them contribute at home in a way that goes far beyond chores. Those are all important things in addition to helping them overcome perfectionism. Perfectionism is not the be-all, end-all, but it is something for you to look at and work on and maybe work on out loud at home in a way where your kids can really absorb that this is something that you're looking at. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I feel like there's, you know, stuff that we as parents can deal with. And then there's a line, though, where maybe it's too much for us. How do we know when it's time to get support or when it's outside of our abilities to help with help effectively? That's a great question. Um, A lot of us need, we know that we need support in two ways. One, if the kind of school or the other adults in your kids' lives are coming to you being like, hey, I think that this is an issue and I think that your kid might need support. When we hear that, the next question to ourselves should really be, do I need to put this on my kid right now or have are there other things that I can do at home to fix this before I get my kid direct services? And then the other way that we know that we need support is if it's negatively impacting your kid's own place in the family. If your kid is coming home and they know that everyone's going to be annoyed with them, they know that they're the big problem at the dinner table, they know that they're the one disrupting bedtime, they know that their sibling is always the one who gets it right and they're always the one who gets it wrong. When they start to see themselves that way and you're noticing that that's how they're seeing themselves... It is time to reach out for help because they will be in your family for the rest of their lives. And right now it's only been going on for eight out of, you know, nine, five years. So we can, we can totally touch it right now. That's, that's really good to know. Really good to know. So how would you know? I mean, I have my kids. So my daughter, for example, she'll be like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to do it, but she'll do it anyways. Or my son will... Like he doesn't necessarily like people knowing when he can't learn something, but he'll go out and try and fail and try and fail and try again with other things. How do we know when our children aren't resilient? Like how how do you know when you don't have resilient kids versus you do have, how do you know when it's time to do something? Like even yourself as a parent. For me, I really look at, um, there's three factors. It's how are you seeing yourself What are you trying to do and how do you talk about what you just tried? So, um, so for our kids, like I look at how do they talk about themselves? Is it, you know, I can't do this. I won't be able to do this. Or is it, I can't do this. Let me try it anyway. And um, then how do they try? Do they lock themselves in a room and furiously try and try and try and don't want anyone to see them and don't want anyone to look at them and don't want any help? Or are they like, hey, do you think you could help me out with this? That tells you, do I, that tells you if your kid feels like it's a very big deal that they're not able to do it, or if they feel like this is a normal thing. And so I'm just going to ask for help. Um, And then how do they talk about what they just did? If your kid is, for example, learning to play piano and they had a hard time, but then they got the song, are they stuck on, wow, that song was so hard. I had such a hard time for weeks and weeks. Or do they tell the story of, that was song was really hard. And look, I learned how to do it. And the way that we perceive ourselves going through a challenge and the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves is 
really a marker of our own inner resilience. Okay, that's really helpful to know. So now tell you for our audience members who maybe want to learn more about what it is you do or, or everything that kind of you've talked about, where can they find you? What's the best way for them to get more information or connect with you? Yeah, they can come to my website. It's taliakovacs.com. And um, I have a course for parents that I teach around raising resilient kids. It is extremely hands-on and extremely applicable. I also have workshops that I do for employee ERGs, um, for parent caregiver ERGs, and for PTAs around the framework that I teach for raising resilient kids. So those are two ways that we might interact. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. I know I took a lot out of our conversation. And I'm sure our audience did too. So thank you very much. Thanks so much. And thank you everyone for listening to the She Rises Studios podcast. We will talk to you all again soon. Thank you all so much for joining another episode of She Rises Studios podcast. Please follow us online at She Rises Studios. You can also visit our website at www.sherisesstudios.com.